Hello and welcome to the Sonic Cinema Podcast. My name is Brian Scuttle and thank you for joining me at www.sonic-cinema.com. Join us at Sonic Cinema Patreon at patreon.com backslash Sonic Cinema. There you'll see exclusive um, reviews before they come up on the regular site. Uh, bonus material including um, parts from interviews that have never been heard before commentaries that have never been heard before, as well as exclusive, uh, interesting looks at uh, my creative process as a composer, as well as some uh, individual uh, pieces and works that I've worked on over the years. That is at patreon.com backslash Sonic Cinema. I'm very pleased to be joined tonight by a couple of filmmakers whose work I've known and admired for many years now. Uh, they're the... Uh, Filmmakers behind No Restrictions Entertainment, and they are John Paul Rice, producer, and Edgar Michael Bravo, the writer-director. Together, they've produced works called One Hour Fantasy Girl, Mother's Red Dress, Monster Killer, and A Young Man's Future, all of which have been reviewed on Sonic Cinema. Their latest one is a very personal project and something that means a great deal to them. It's on. It's a supernatural story that takes on the topic of child human trafficking. It is called A Child's Voice, and I'm very pleased to be joined by them to discuss that as well as their earlier work. So please welcome John Paul Rice and Edgar Michael Bravo to the podcast. I'm very pleased to be joined today by the uh, filmmakers behind No Restrictions Entertainment, producer John Paul Rice and uh, writer-director Edgar Michael Bravo. Uh, they've been responsible for a number of films that I've reviewed over the years, including One Hour Fantasy Girl, Mother's Red Dress, Monster Killer, and A Young Man's Future. And we're here to primarily talk about their uh, new film, which takes a very interesting look at a very serious topic. And much like all of their other films tend to do, that's one of the things that I really resonate with uh, their work with, is that they find interesting ways to deal with uh, serious and fascinating discussions. So I'm really looking forward to uh, talking to them. So please welcome uh, John Paul Rice and Edgar Michael Bravo. Hey, thanks for having us on today, Brian. Yeah, I'm glad we were fine. We were able to uh, pinpoint this. I appreciate the last minute uh, course correction to uh, accommodate for my schedule. So um, the first, the first question I guess I'd like to ask you is how did you guys, uh, how did you guys come to meet and uh, start to work together? Yeah, uh, in Atlanta, several years ago, I was there as an actor, um, having been in Remember the Titans. I knew a lot of people in the local Atlanta area for production. And Edgar, I'd read about Edgar in Creative Loafing Magazine uh, doing a casting. And we had a mutual, we found out we had a mutual contact that brought us together. So when he was doing this casting, I went over and met with him after the casting and talked about some of the uh, local crew that had worked on Remember the Titans is possibly working on his film. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I mentioned earlier as far as uh, your your um, films that's so unique about them is the fact that they seem to, there's always a very uh, serious um, topic in 
in terms of the uh, central base of the story, and then you guys find a unique way into it. Uh, mm-hmm. There's been psych- psychological stories like Mother's Red Dress and a young man's, a young man's, uh, a young man's. <laughs> you, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I completely bank- blanked on the name. I just, I just said. My apologies. Um, Mother's Red Dress, A Young Man's Future, a Monster Killer, and now A Child's Story. What has inspired you to take such interesting uh, looks at um, the subjects that you guys have approached over the years? Uh, well, we formed the company 10 years ago because we wanted to do things that weren't being done in Hollywood, mm-hmm. which were social issue films but we didn't want to do documentaries we wanted to do movies that were like any other movie a mm-hmm. genre and but within that movie it would tell uh, an issue that's you know very important so we would work through genres so like a child's voice our latest one we we're doing it through the supernatural thriller genre mm-hmm. uh young man's future was done through the love story so we choose a genre so that we can tell a story that that gets people emotionally involved in the in the characters. And I think our stories always say, "Here's the situation. Here's the people. Here's how it affects them." You know, now you know you can move whichever way you think. How deeply you want to get involved to help out or not, or just learn for yourself what it was that we were talking about in the movie. Mm-hmm. So. That's what we did, um, and we continue to do that, and that's what inspires me whenever I... Uh, it happens kind of uh, every other year, because as I'm finishing one movie, I either am uh, learning about something new, and then I do the research for about six months so that I have the facts as close as possible to what's actually there. Mm-hmm. And I write it, then you know we produce it, John produces, and we put it all together. So it's been going on every year and a half since uh, 10 years ago we've mm-hmm. been doing this. So I don't have the inspiration why we do it. And it all depends on what uh, issue is really important to us at the time. John had, had an issue with um, our first film. It was about Runaways and that whole issue in, in One Hour Fantasy Girl. Mm-hmm. And then we keep learning different things. Um, that's what inspires us. And then we we do it in the genre film and try to get it as emotional as possible. Yeah. The uh, part of that um, interest is the side of it where human beings, you know, seeing how human beings persevere through that. And so it would be both the knowledge that they learn as they're going through the stories, as you know from the from each one of our stories, each person is learning something as they're going along this mm-hmm. journey and reacting to it, and it's changing them. So the thing that Edgar does really well is to combine that knowledge and that information with an emotional connection, which is the change what you would hope for at the finality of it when you're given the result, the last scene in the film mm-hmm. that tells what is it that you want me to know after telling me all of this mm-hmm. without being preachy without being 
you know, uh, absolute in the answer. It's sort of like what he said. It's letting you decide what you want to do with that subject to how, what you take from it. But it was really for our interest, it was not just to show these hard subjects, more so how the human condition is that we persevere through them and we try to go beyond just their, what, what holds them or captive, you know, keeps them captive, but how they break free from it. Mm-hmm. And I that's- think that's really a, a theme that I, I didn't, I don't plan these things out, but that's how <laughs> you do the creative stuff. Yeah. And one of my professors at UCLA, where I went to school, uh, they talked about how, you know, you, you basically write and you don't be didactic. You try to, it kind of happens, you use structure, but the inspirational part is always that mysterious thing. But looking back at our seven films that we've done and other films that I've done uh, before we started our company, there's a theme that seems to come through in, in my films, which is, well... It's pretty hard out there, but amazingly, we all make it. Mm-hmm. One way, we hang in there, yeah. and there's like a sliver of, of hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's one of the things. My movies, so. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. one of the things that I do like uh, about all of your films is that they are dealing with these subjects, but they're also, they're not preachy about it. They're not trying to... They're not trying to convey a, or not trying to ram a particular viewpoint down your throat. They're just trying to tell you, or trying to tell you a story. They're trying to engage you in that subject, and they they do succeed in that. And that's one of the things I love about um, the the work that you guys have done uh, that I've seen over the years. And one of the things that also stands out about. Is is not just the social aspects, the larger larger social issues, but the fact that you also the characters also um, you you guys deal with characters that are around the edges of society and the marginalized and and being able to bring both of those both that and the social larger social impact into a movie that does not feel like it's editorializing but yeah. also but ultimately wants to entertain you and make you think and that's one of the things that I really enjoy about all of your work. Oh, well, thank, thank you. you. Thanks. For yeah, that. I mean it was uh, <clears throat> through through my through uh, going to school and everything one of the things that struck me and stayed with me throughout all this time was that when you say entertain entertain you what it means is people want to feel emotions. Mhm be moved either angry or happy or sad or hopeful or whatever and that is what we aim to do all the time with our films is get you to feel something mm-hmm. and not to believe it or agree with it or whatever but you have an emotion and that I think is what my role as a filmmaker is is to is to tell you kind of like how I see the world a little bit mm-hmm. but most of my films I go I see the world and I kind of see both sides, and I'm not quite sure which one is the one that I go with, but I, I kind of feel a lot of things through all of this. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm kind of like doing a conversation with my audience. I'm kind of going, I hope you're feeling something too, whether you see it differently or not. I'm hoping you're going with the ride of like, oh, wow, this is a part of life. Yeah. And I don't know, I feel horrible about it, or I feel hopeful about it, or 
or you know, because it's very weird in our audiences. Yeah. <laughs> people are some people are like, oh my god, I feel like we're gonna make it, and others are going, oh my god, it's such a horrible world. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's so. one of the things that I really. Uh, the the things that one of the things that I've noticed about myself as a movie watcher over the years is the fact that I I like the way you uh, you you defined entertainment. It's not just yeah. about the traditional way that we think of that word. It's about feeling an emotion. It's about feeling yeah. something that uh, has a personal impact on you. And I find that. Over the years, um, as I've grown older, that's definitely something that, for me, is arguably more important in a lot of cases than just simply an entertaining story. It's That story, to a certain extent, is going to make me feel something yeah. that, um, that goes beyond just making a good, fun movie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I, what I love about film and the art of film is that it's wide open. You can say incredibly deep things in all kinds of ways. Like I always tell some of my friends who sometimes say, Ed, when are you going to do a comedy? Which you do want to do. But there's some, there's some of the most difficult things to do. But you want to talk about a very deep subjects, and but done in such a fun way that you barely understand that you were hearing these deep things. Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. It's about the unknown and about fear of the unknown and the dangers and all that. And yet you're doing it in a way that you're just, they do it in a way where you're like laughing and feeling something and wanting these guys, basically the regular guys of the world can conquer anybody and yeah. anything, <laughs> which is an incredible statement to make. Mm -hmm. I find that uplifting. And, and I'm also very deep into history. And actually throughout history, that is what happens. Mm -hmm. Sooner the working guys, everybody comes together and knocks off the crap that's been put on them. So mm -hmm. movies say deep things in all kinds of ways. And, and I really, I always make that as one of my examples of how beautiful to be able to do it in such a funny mm -hmm. one way, you know. And of course, I mean, you're a, fil you're a film buff, so like, <laughs> look at Casablanca. Oh my yeah. God. What an inspiration to work together and you put away petty things and Mm -hmm. And yeah, this kind of stuff. So. For a greater, greater purpose. Yeah, yeah. To the beginning of a great relationship. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, exactly. Art in this, those kind of movies. Mm -hmm. Oh, anyway, I'm kind of rambling there. Oh, that's that's no, I I I I I find that's one of the things I like about doing these interviews. It's like I'd much rather listen to you talking about what. What inspires you? The thing, the things that gets you excited about filmmaking, than yeah. me, you know, than, than, than me just saying, oh, here, you know, here. Of course, I want to tell you what I like about your filmmaking, but ultimately, I'd much rather hear about what you like about filmmaking, the things that excite you about filmmaking. And oh. so, yeah, um, let's go to let's let's. Start to dig in to a, a child's voice, which uh, you guys just released and is starting to uh, starting to be seen by many people. And uh, what was the the for anybody who is not aware the the film deals with the topic of uh, child human trafficking, and right. like you mentioned, it's a supernatural. Uh, 
story that deals with that subject. And right. where where did what was what was the impetus for this being the film that you guys worked on at this this time? Yeah. Well, it was a combination of factors. I think in the last year, uh, <clears throat> we had been looking at a lot of things from the election of Donald Trump to now. Well, how did we get here? Mm -hmm. How did we how did we arrive to this moment that uh, a television show host became a presidential candidate and got elected? And so it it caused us to start looking through history, history that we had known and history that we didn't know. And so in all of our research, what we started doing is looking back in time at the government and looking back in time uh, at some of the problems that we knew were available to us today and taking that information and combining it and weighing it and scrutinizing it to where it led us to a book called The Franklin Scandal, uh, which is a historical account of something that happened in Kansas under uh, the first Bush uh, during Reagan's time. Mm -hmm. and the child prostitution problem that was going on in the White House at that time, which was covered by Tom Brokaw, uh, and the cover-up. And so when we got to today, what we had seen was, yes, there's a child trafficking problem among, you know, people out there that they arrest that are, that are parents or husband and wife that are selling kids, torturing kids, all of that is horrific. But what we found was that there was a deeper network going on that had been uncovered during the Bush, uh, the second Bush term with Cynthia McKinney, Cynthia McKinney, a uh, congressperson in Georgia, questioning Donald Rumsfeld about Dynacorp and the CIA and how they were caught having prostituted young boys overseas for their uh, benefactors and among the people in that organization. When we started to learn all of this last year, and then Ronald Bernard came out. Ronald Bernard is a man who used to be on the inside, who worked in the financial uh, world, mm -hmm. in elite group of people who have basically caused all the wars and all the currency devaluations and the economy crashes. And he outlined it in very succinct and very specific detail. He talked about his moment where he went out of that world when the moment he was offered to sacrifice a kid, like actually murder a child. Hmm. And, um, and, it, and it horrified him. It traumatized him to the point where he had been spending the last 15 to 20 years in a psychological kind of state of recovery uh, because it touched on all of the things that were within him where he saw his own abuse as a child, how he saw the whole world as dark and evil. And he came out saying that these small group of people that have all the power in the world are causing all of this horrific misery. And so once Edgar and I kind of put one plus one together, 
we came up, well, he came up with the idea for the story about a child that reaches out to a homeless kid and sends him on a kind of a journey, if you will, mm-hmm. to covering this human trafficking ring. So we wanted to incorporate the establishment figures that you see in the film are these wealthy businessmen. They are part of an of a organization, but they're part of the they're they're symbolic of this network that profits off of the suffering of human children, uh, profits off of the the capture and the selling of kids, and also the sacrifice of kids. And it was it was beyond anything that we thought was even possible. But then we started looking at uh, satanic ritual abuse survivors and their stories, and it matched with what we had learned from 20, 30 years ago. And that was well, just- it was the thing that happened is that uh, it was that Ronald Bernard video that inspired me uh, to to look deeper into this. And when it really was starting to get shocking was when we started doing research of very credible people, FBI organizations all over the world that were talking about this, that were reporting it every year, but the mainstream media never touched it. So that's really what God is going. That's what I said earlier about how I try to do the research and try to find mm-hmm. as much as from very credible sources, you know, people who are judges who have written down cases about this, FBI retirees that, were in, that saw all of this and saw all the cover-ups and all that. Same situations in Europe, it's, it's global kind of thing. So that's what got me, and I, I thought, and I had spent many terribly sleepless nights because it's really horrifying stuff, which I understand why people, um, uh, you know, just don't even look at that stuff. Mm. But it's very important because it's very dangerous if you think about it. If, you know, if powerful people are involved in this and they have power over us, what? chance we have if they have the ability to do these kind of horrible things. So what I did is I thought, okay, this is such a heavy subject and it's so strong and everything. Again, how can I find a genre that I can use to to tell a story that is um that is uh that'll grab you and yet you'll you'll root for the people. Because you know you saw mm-hmm. the movie. There's like a love story within it, how they try to yeah bomb to try to survive. So that's what happened, and that's that's uh, why I got involved. I was in Australia at the time, and I was watching all this other stuff, uh, and I was going to do another film over there, and and it just hit me, and I just started writing down structure and and um, and rapidly within six months mm. we were yeah. doing the film, <laughs> and you know we finished it very very quickly. Yeah. Um, before we before we go. Further into the uh, film, where can it? Where can people find it online if it is available online right now? Vimeo, yeah, and Vimeo on demand. So if you go to Vimeo dot uh, com forward slash on demand, I think it's under a child's voice. If you go into that, you can look it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so go to a child's voice dot com, and there's a link uh, at the end of the trailer. There's a link to it where they can click on it and it opens it up. But mm-hmm. yeah. Right now is the first platform we're on. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I think the the way the 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 way in through the supernatural aspect is is one of the things that I I think was most most unique about the film, and one of the things that I think really 
was uh, I, I do think it was successful in that way of being able to, and the fact that you have uh, the main character who's a homeless person who's a drug user who's who's struggling to get by, and you know you have you have this uh, you have this boy who is you know I I hate to bring up this spoiler, but uh, he he dies in the first scene, and his spirit his his voice leads leads the main character through this this uh ring and trying to expose this ring and that's that's one of the that that is a really i i think that's a really strong hook and it's a really good it's a really smart way it's kind of it's almost it's it's almost really the only way i think to be able to i'm sure there are other ways to do this story to make it not as immediately just horrific but it's it i think it's but it's it's suitably horrific certainly the the base the uh central uh subject matter and it plays that way completely in the film but it's uh having having that connection between one of the victims as well as you know somebody who's lost his way really and it's almost like it's almost like this victim is not only not only trying to get his uh his voice out there to try to unravel what his sacrifice what his uh what am I trying to say his the 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 cause of his 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 demise but he's also trying to help the uh the the main character find a purpose yeah. in his life yeah, the, that was something that, <clears throat> you know, as, it came up as I was working on the structure and everything. But, you know, as they say uh, in, in in film school or screenwriting, there's a story and there's a story underneath that story. Mm, yeah. That, you caught that. That is what is going on. That it it is um, uh, not only when you do this, but you discover things about yourself. The end mm -hmm. parts of if you strength. Because, you know, as you see in the movie, the main character, the, the young uh, runaway teenage boy, gets stronger and stronger. Mm -hmm. and, and he comes out of all his troubles. And it's all, it's a dual system of both doing the right thing, but also something has happened within him mm -hmm. that he's starting to speak into his own issues. And so that's all part of how, you know, part of the technique of, of writing and everything to get you to feel... Uh, something for your main character and to sort of like say the things that I feel when I see life. That's like what I was talking about earlier. That in a movie, it's like a conversation. It's like I'm saying, hey guys, you know, do you think that whenever you, you know, you give a dollar to somebody they need it, don't you feel like something happens? You feel like, like you've done something okay? Mm -hmm. so, no, I don't think so. I think it was a waste of money, whatever. Others will say, yeah. So that's kind of like that Thing that it, within that, I'm trying to say this is what I see. That as you begin to help others, you kind of like begin to help yourself and wake up out of your own fog. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so that's what that's what uh, that was about when you, when you saw that 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 that, uh, that the child's voice is also helping the main character within mm -hmm. himself. Yeah, and and it's. It's it's interesting the the movie I kept another movie that I kept going back to I mean it's it's a, another story really because I mean it's been both a book and movie 
Uh, something that I kept going back to watching watching the movie as sort of a comparison was uh, The Lovely Bones, both the book yeah. as well as the Peter Jackson film. And it was interesting that, you know, I I like the fact that it's like, I, I feel like it almost would have been very easy to go that direction and focus very intently on the uh as the the sort of supernatural existence of the child's voice after they're killed but the fact that you guys found a way to make that uh a a real part of um a narrative of people um still on earth as a as well as without resorting to the same the the same structure the same devices that uh that film that film uh and that story touched on is is really impressive and it's it's something that's really sticks out about the movie oh cool I'm Thanks, glad. Man. i don't know that movie you're talking about <laughs> i've never seen it so so i'm glad <laughs> it's it's you know it's it's interesting the book the book was far and away better uh, the movie is good as interesting ideas, but um, you know it doesn't quite land the same way the book does. The book was pretty pretty painful, and but was also really fascinating to read. But um, what what has been I I know you know I I know from what little I've seen online, what has been the uh, general reaction of people to the movie and. The general reaction has been quite strong because of what I, like what you picked up on, that quiet way of saying, you know, you can get stronger, you can mm -hmm. get enlightened, because it's really moving. And what's very weird is all the reactions have been uh, across the board, that kind of impact. And what's weird is that because the Daniels reach. We're getting the same reactions like in Brazil and Europe and we have the Qatar. I mean, mm -hmm. all the world, we're getting these kind of reactions to, to the film. So, and that's kind of like what we were hoping for, that we were trying to go, you know, it's not, it's, a lot of it is in your imagination. And we don't want to do a, a film that just says there's no hope and there's, and there's nothing that can be done, but sort of like, there is hope, but it's really the hope begins in you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this this uh, like like I said earlier, this this is a subject matter that I mean, it 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 really could have it really could have gone in that direction of if if you if you wrote a particular just if you took a different turn from the direction that you took, it could have easily been just depressing and painful to watch i mean yeah. it's still painful there are moment there are moments of it that are truly profoundly painful and the subject matter in general is painful and i mean it's it's really it it's it's heroic that you guys were able to bring this such such an expansive subject matter yeah. to a very personal level and to make it really have the impact that it does and without losing hope that you know something can something could possibly make it better that right. that can you know I was going to say that and you made me 
just this conversation got me thinking about it. If I look back at all of our movies in the ending, mm-hmm. the ending of them, uh, it's the beginning of something different. Yeah. It's just the beginning. Like <laughs> Becky and One Hour Fantasy Girl and her ending, Mother's Red Dress and his ending, mm-hmm. um, Monster Killer and that ending. And not, you know, in Young Man's Future, it's the beginning of something new and different and possibly better mm-hmm. than what what you just saw in what we think is kind of I we're not trying for a style or anything. I mean, I, he's he's obviously writing and directing it, but the the intent is once you kind of see the truth about all of these issues, you're now better equipped to make a more honest or rational decision about what you want to do. And that's kind of what we want to leave the viewer with, which is it, it is up to you. It's up to you mm-hmm. how you want to, it's up to you what you want to take from it. It's up to you what you want to do with it, with this knowledge and information. And that's what I love about our movies and about art is that you can say something that's very honest and true, but it's all subjective in the viewer's interpretation as to what they want to do with that information. And I think mm-hmm. that kind of your point about entertainment, entertainment doesn't have to be, I just want to escape the real world for a while. Entertainment says, I want to learn something that doesn't necessarily shows me another side of reality, but also gives me something that I can do in my reality to affect mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, what what you what you're talking about as far as the way your your story is progressing, where like the ending is a new beginning. I mean, that's that's really the the best stories. The best storytelling is about that. It's it's not about just taking the characters from where they were at the beginning to where they were at the beginning. It's about it's about taking them on a journey. It's about taking them into a place where they change, and the the bet the thing that you can really you really want to hope for in any film is just the the fact that they the feel the change is organic, and that's certainly the case. And the change is true to what life would be, and I think that's that is ultimately. One of the strongest things about the uh, storytelling that you guys um, do in the films, and is the fact that it's like you allow you allow the characters to change, and you you allow the characters to go on a story that you you allow the characters to go on a this this journey that is very honest and w- is very true to life. And a big part of it is because of the fact that you're dealing with the subject matters that you're dealing with. You know, yeah. it's not it's not just about genre. It's about um, it's about something honest and true. And that's that's definitely one of the things that really resonated with me about. I remember really thinking, feeling that about Mother's Red Dress, and I really remembered fe- feeling that way about Young Man's Future. And part of that is because of my own struggles with um, mental illness and anxiety and depression. And yeah. it, it's, it's something that is very honest in the way it approaches those. And you have difficult choices that you have to make sometimes. And, yeah. uh, and, and that's, that's, that's 
that's always something to be uh, commended about when it comes to uh, any type of movie that gets made. Well, it's really awesome. I mean, Brian, I know we've known each other over the years, but it's really awesome when you have people who are critics and who examine and see a lot of movies to be able to be moved by that mm -hmm. in your own personal way. Because, I mean, obviously that's the effect you want to have if something moves you, like me as a producer, something that moves me in the story to see it affect you and other people and, and people we don't even know mm -hmm. that you know, see a lot of movies or they, they're, maybe they don't, but they see other films and that somehow these films resonate with them. That's really, that's really very rewarding on our part, at least that it, that it can reach so many different people. Mm -hmm. What, what do you guys, do you guys have an idea of what's next after this? Yeah, we are, I'm, uh, <clears throat> preparing to do the sequel to it. Okay. In this particular one, you see kind of like what's happening in Los Angeles and and the United States, but an even deeper uh, situation that I discovered from all the research is this is a global phenomenon, mm. and it, that's a much deeper and and uh, uh, pretty intense story. So that's what I'm in the middle of doing the research of now. Some of the research I already know about, mm -hmm. but there's deeper stuff that, that I'm, I'm doing. Uh, and then, of course, we're working on other bigger projects. I'm working one about the, um, the last Aztec emperor of mm -hmm. Mexico, because that world, very few people know how amazing the, the world was, the pre-Columbian world, mm -hmm. you know, the civilization that was here and in, in Mexico and also in uh, in Peru and how the clashes of two different worlds created what we are seeing now so that's what I'm doing but that's more like for uh, like uh, Hulu like more like uh, like hour long like Game of Thrones kind of thing okay so those are two projects that that uh, we're focusing on right now all right okay yeah that's that's I mean it Really, I mean, it, it makes sense to, it, it, it does make sense to follow up uh, A Child's Voice with another film that deals with this subject because of how big and expansive the, yeah. the, the subject matter is. I mean, you really can't say everything about this subject in one, in, in one film. And uh, it's, it, that's, that's part of why it's so important that the first film is such a personal film on a single, you know, told the way it is and yeah. through, through a handful of different perspectives and, but it's a very personal, uh, journey for the, uh, main character. Yeah. Um, where did, where, I mean, you know, where did the, uh, I, I think I, if I remember correctly, when, uh, when, when John first reached out to me about a young man's, future um i i think you you mentioned something about it being a true story inspired by a true story yeah right there, there were uh uh one of my good friends is a pretty renowned national psychiatrist who who specialized in this and uh and i had uh, family members that i knew about that had struggled with this so it was the same thing as this when some of these things came up i i did the research and based it on all kinds of case stories, and I condensed it into 
into the story that you see in Young Man's Future, which is two people, mm -hmm. people in their family. So, yeah, it's based, what we try to do is as much as possible based it on actual cases, but then we distill it to make it so that for the drama, so that the drama can work. Right. So that, that's what Young Man's Future was. It was based on a lot of uh, actual cases. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, what about one, one that sort of, it, it, it fits within the larger uh, confine, the larger uh, parameters of your work, but it also feels to be away from it to a certain extent. What about the story of Monster Killer? Although oh, yeah. I've, I've I've seen the I've seen the title be different as Mark's Eternal, yeah, uh, Mark's um, Secret of Eternal, yeah, Mark's yeah. Secret of Life. Um, uh, that one was again, as I said, I basically go as I'm in the middle of another project. If something grabs my attention, mm -hmm. then I go, oh, this is kind of fascinating. And during that period, which is like now four or five years ago, I was so reading up and hearing so much about quantum physics and mm -hmm. parallel. And I was like, holy cow. And, you know, all the depth of it, it had me so fascinated that I wanted to do that kind of, uh, you know, sort of mystical kind of uh, science-y kind of film. But the, the subject matter of that in terms of the social issue was, oh, my God, what if, like, our main character, a, a, a slave, he was a young man, gets pulled into alternate reality. And then the aging starts to slow down. Hmm. And what what he sees is the cruelty of man throughout history, because he's seen World War One, he's seen World War Two, he's seen starvation, he's seen everything. Mm -hmm. Through that story I wanted to uh, I wanted to talk about those bigger issues of good God, what have done in the world over all this time? But I wanted to personalize it through that one character character. Mm -hmm. The slave, the ex-slave. Kind of amoral. Yeah. 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 First preservation. And then he, and then it's this boy who comes in as sort of this conscious or interrupts it and says, there might be another way. Let's try and stop being selfish for a moment. Well, I mean, the, the main character, it's basically about survival. You know, I mean, you could say that stuff, but he, and, you know, as you saw, if he, if he doesn't do this this stuff that he has to do in every dimension he enters, he will then face a horrendous death. Mm -hmm. That's the decision for him. It's, it's a matter of survival. So I wanted to make it the stakes very high because in the end, those are all the same issues we have to deal with. Mm -hmm. oh my, you know, someone is dying. Am I going to go out there and risk my life if these other people have guns? Those kind of issues are the issues that we all face in different forms. Mm -hmm. So, so that was a weird one because I was so physics <laughs> and parallel worlds and going, but that was all coming down to these issues that I was going, wow, mm -hmm. man, we've been having to have these decisions that are very personal, you know, like the personal one, like, am I going to go out and help somebody when there's a bunch of people with guns or not? Mm -hmm. And then. That from that little thing, huge things happen because you know nations fight nations, people are oppressive, all that stuff happens. But it all starts with very basic things: what each and each one of us have as our capacity to what will we do? Mm -hmm. You know what? How far will we go? How far can we be brave? 
And, and so those kind of issues, I think, were really fascinating for me with Mark's Secret to Eternal Life, which is, if you get that title. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I when when I saw it, it was under Monster Kill, Kill and then I looked it up. I looked it up a a year or two later. I think I was formatting the review again for the new format of Sonic Cinema, and when I looked on IMDb, it's like that's that's not the title that I remember. Yeah, it was either it was either uh, it was either IMDb or uh, seeing it on Amazon Prime. I can't remember. It was one of the two. Yeah, but uh... yeah, that, that was because we <clears throat> we felt that people thought it was a, a horror film. Yeah, and people were like going to see it as a horror film, and we wanted to make sure that it was not a horror film. Mm -hmm. I mean, the longer title was "Mark Secret to Eternal Life." We thought we should shorten it, but no, it didn't. It was better to to yeah. have that to tell you, no, this is about something more. Mm -hmm and supernatural and all that not so much about a slasher <laughs> yeah and when you yeah and i mean when you do when you do uh put the two titles head to head i mean you you do you have two very different reactions to those titles <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. um, I know. well mother mother's red dress was another film that it, it's been years since i've seen it and i do want to revisit it at some point um it it's it's another film that deals with psychological issues, and I guess I'm I'm kind of curious as to where the uh, inspiration for that came from. Yeah, that one <clears throat> that one was when um, at that stage, I you know I got really started to get more and more upset because I wasn't looking for it, but every time I open up a newspaper, you know, mother starves their child to death, mm -hmm. uh, father and mother kill their daughter. I mean, it was like, I, it was it, everywhere. I wasn't looking for it. Every time I turn, I go, what the hell? So I started doing research about child abuse. Mm -hmm. I was horrified. I mean, horrified. Yeah. So, so I said, oh God, man, how can I do this one as, as a movie? And uh, where you can feel uh, for the main character, but you know, the genre is a mystery. Because you really, you know, it, I don't want to give away the ending, but you you think it's going one way and you're following it. You don't know anything about this child abuse stuff. It's mm -hmm. not closer to the end that you realize why this young man is going through these issues. Mm -hmm. That was the inspiration for that, is that child abuse, just the research was just so horrendous that uh, I thought, well, I don't know, i got to find a way to do it that where people can endure the movie and follow and care. And at the very end, as you know, the very end is the shocking revelation. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was the inspiration for that. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was weird because uh, it's kind of like what we talked about earlier in terms of what you hope for, right? Mm -hmm. But it's, that one is very simple. Is once you face the truth, you know what's real and what's not real. You can begin to heal yourself. Yeah, that, that, that was the that was the part that if you're going to show me all of this horrific crap and and horrific in the sense of what you're telling me, mm -hmm. show part of it is really like what we do in our movies. It's not a horror fest. It's not gratuitous. It's not such the point that you turn away. You may get oh, 
but it's not like, oh my God, it becomes all about that and that image that's burned in your head. It's more the psychological, the emotional part. So what we wanted to do was, at least what he was doing, was getting you emotionally involved with the character in a love story from running away from something into something better that the past caught up again. Mm-hmm. And it could it, uh, it was kind of what we had hoped if, if there was a child out there or a young person who was able to determine the reality of their childhood, like what it actually happened, with the reality of their present self. And to see both the bridge, the connection to it, and the reality of what had happened to them. Mm-hmm. Not only to heal, but maybe begin to love. Yeah. To be able to get back all the things that were taken from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one of the sad things that um, doing the research, when we're traumatized, uh, we have trouble connecting with people. All the beautiful things of life are like an fog, a glass, a big glass ball that seems to be away and faded. And that's what I, that's what I, doing the research of going, oh my God, what's the more human thing about all this is how horrendous a person travels through their life unable to find connection, unable to be calm, always have to be anxiety ridden and all these other horrible things. So you're kind of like robbed of the beautiful things that life has to offer you. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like building into that thing. And um, again, it's a very slim thread of hope in my mind. Yeah. That, was, that was the one worldwide, all the reactions were, oh my God, he's dead or going to die. And the other one, oh no, now he knows the truth. He can now start to taste life again. Yeah. And I, I said, like I told John, I said, well, it all depends on where everybody is in their yeah. life. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And in my mind, I saw it as what I just said, the beginnings of actually, oh, my God, I can see the truth now. So I can I can taste life again. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. Just to know what's real and what's not real. Yeah. Who, who are your biggest inspirations as filmmakers? Um. Well, I think a lot of the um, a lot of the uh, giants have been the people that I love. Mm-hmm. You know, people with the Casablanca and and, uh, and also a little bit of unusual ones. Like I really love uh, the filmmaker of uh, Harold and Maude. Mm-hmm. Hal Ashby. Hal Ashby. Yeah. The, the uh, shampoo. Mm-hmm. He has really three major films, but they're like amazing pieces of work. Yeah. So the those kind of people are the ones that have inspired me a lot with, with this whole thing of feeling mm-hmm. and having a sense of humor. She <laughs> 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 was so good at that. Mm-hmm. And many great uh, filmmakers have always been able to find a bit of humor in everything. Yeah. 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 Um, I'd say uh, Nicholas Ruffin with uh, Drive and Only God it's mm-hmm. uh, modern. And it, I can't remember the director's name, but that movie, Crescia, 
don't know if you saw it. Oh, yeah, three or four years ago. Which one? Cretia. Uh, it's about a 55, 60-year-old woman who comes back home on a Thanksgiving uh, dinner. Hmm. It's a gathering of the family. One of the most captivating psychological uh, dramas and independent film in a long time. It's all about family. Hmm. Uh, and uh, and she is a tragic <laughs> character because she's a former drug addict and alcoholic. Hmm. And she's trying to maintain her self-image or projection that she's changed, but everybody knows yeah. how you know, destructive and yeah. horrible she's been. But it, it talks, it's, it's a great, great movie. It's a great movie because it talks about very honest things and there's very beautiful and very painful things, too. Hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen that one. <laughs> it's very rare you meet those, you know, you see it, Michael Cuesta with L.I.E. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, Little Miss Sunshine. I mean, that's probably mm-hmm. one of the in my view, one of the best dramedies that's been done in yeah. years. Yeah, yeah it's uh, a beautiful it's, film. It's a great script and great directing. And casting. Yeah, absolutely. And with a point, like, you know, we're all screwed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're better than all these other people that are more screwed up. <laughs> what, what, what inspired you guys to, uh, and it's funny because I usually do these questions at the be- beginning of the interview, uh, but I wanted to get into your uh, work uh, quicker than I normally uh, do with other people. How do, what, did, what inspired you guys to uh, get into filmmaking? <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> well, I started in theater mm-hmm. in undergrad, and then I uh, had a class for film, and film just I just fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. And inspired what got me into it is because of that that ability to evoke emotion with a with an idea together. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So that got me, and that. You know, then that's why I came to UCLA to to get my master's there, because I was just in love with um, with that idea of, of uh, the same feeling that I get when I am in great movies that I just feel, oh my God, I just saw something a new way of looking at the world, and I am so deeply moved. That's kind of like my goal. I don't always achieve it, but I always try to find that I go mm-hmm. for that. Yeah, uh, I did it for money. No, <laughs> <laughs> I was ready to get profitable in the micro-budget empty world. Uh, no, I think I, mean, I came out here because of Remember the Titans in Atlanta. Um, I was in college uh, going to business school, and I took as an elective the history of motion pictures. Um, I had done acting you know, years before in high school and in grade school. Mm-hmm. And I gave up all of that because I had to work full-time while I was going to college. And uh, that elective course was in my second year. And that professor uh, held an acting class in Marietta. Mm. And well, I, went, I went up there uh, to shadow one of the classes. I, it, it pulled me right back into my days doing high school theater. <laughs> and, uh, and then within, I think, three to four months, there was the, the film Remember the Titans was coming into Atlanta. And he knew the local casting director. I went out there, I auditioned, I got it. I got the part as a as a uh, Titan football player. I was on the film for two months, and uh, I 
I just, it just changed my life. By the time the premiere was out here in LA a year later, mm-hmm. I, months later I was out here to be an actor. And then when I turned to producing it was a combination of Edgar. Plus I had gotten a job in Beverly Hills at a small little company where I was answering phones, and reading scripts, giving coverage. That company ended up doing Juno, The Grudge, Harold and Kumar. And my mentor, Joe Drake, was the executive producer of, of uh, The Hunger Games. Oh, wow. So, so it, it inspired me from multiple levels. I realized that in acting, I wasn't truly an actor, but that I had certain abilities. And when I teamed up with him because we were aligned with the stories that we wanted to tell, that I was interested in his writing, I was interested in his ability as a director. I thought he was a very good director. And we shared similar feelings about the world around us that we, we just started. We started applying it, and I found what my strengths and my weaknesses were, and I, you know, it's a good complementing team. Mm-hmm. So that's why. And then it's just become a, over the last several years, become a, like a deeper journey into yourself and, learning about the world around you and learning about yourself through your art and what you're trying to say. And hopefully it, it matures over time. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, your, your future collaborations together. I, I, I look forward to, uh, I, I definitely look forward to hearing from uh, John that you guys have a new movie coming out. And I, I always, and I always feel like I get something out of watching them. Uh, regardless of the movie, regardless of the subject matter. Um, we've already talked about where people can find A Child's Voice. Uh, where can people find uh, No Restrictions online otherwise? Right. So um, so if you wanted to go to our website, No Restrictions ENT, like entertainment, or you just Google No Restrictions Entertainment, you'll come across the website. You can go on Amazon. You can go on Vimeo. You can look up all of our titles. Uh, One Hour Fantasy Girl, Mother's Red Dress, Marks the Secret to Eternal Life, The Young Man's Future, and A Child's Voice. They're on all of Vimeo, and we're eventually going to move everything over to Amazon. But everything but A Child's Voice is on Amazon right now. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, are you guys... Uh, how? What is the, uh, what is the release? Um, it's, you, it's already in, on, online at Vimeo. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what is next in the, uh, evolution of a child's voice as far as getting it in front of, uh, audiences and people's eyes. So we're doing, yeah, we're doing a combination. There's, there's about 20 platforms now that we can get onto, uh, and we're going to do it through self-distribution. The other part of it is, is doing it through others. So, uh, as many interviews as as many, you know, both in the film world, as well as the people that are dealing with human trafficking, we're looking to partner up with organizations that, uh, specifically talk about this issue and can help support us through their network. Uh, we're working with the, uh, AAHOA, which is the American Asian Hotel Owners Association. They have about 18,000 members. And what they're doing is they're blasting out to all of their members uh, this film so that they can rent it in an email. And we've seen where we've done interviews like with you and other people that are specifically either about film or they're about human trafficking and, and, uh, people go to the site, they share it. We're seeing it organically being shared on social media now without us pushing it. Um, that's, that's kind of what we want to build off of from there. And then we also want to work with uh, international sales companies 
that have television rights because we, hmm. I think we could do really awesome with that as well. Okay. Well, well, good luck with that. I mean, I I hope you're I hope you're successful, and uh, I I do hope that the uh, that the progress that you're you're already working on, you're already building on, uh, continues as you guys work on the the follow up film for it. Um, I'll definitely be very curious to see what that one is and see how that one forms. But uh, John, Edgar, thank you very much for your time tonight. I'm really glad we were able to do this. Likewise, man. Thank you very much. It's nice to finally meet you, Brian. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, yeah, we. I. You know, I mean, I've I've known you on social media for a long time now, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I know what you look like. It's like I just have never actually met you. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, one of the, uh, that's one of the weird things about uh, social media where it's like you feel like you can get to know somebody without really actually knowing them. And it's like that's one of the things that I really enjoy about uh, doing these interviews is I feel like I'm, I'm getting to know people that I've known online and through their work more and uh that's that's always that's a very rewarding thing i'd like to thank john and edgar once again for joining me on the podcast i've been looking forward to this conversation for a while and it's uh one that their work has been some of the work that's been the most impactful for me as far as filmmakers who've sent me their work over the years and i look forward to whatever uh stories they have coming up. That's all for now for the Sonic Cinema podcast. Join us at patreon.com backslash Sonic Cinema. I've got a couple of really interesting um, things coming up there. Uh, for the podcast, I've got a lot of great interviews coming up and uh, some interesting looks at uh, filmmakers and with uh, some friends that I'm looking forward to sharing with you guys. Uh, that is at patreon.com backslash Sonic Cinema. If you can contribute, that would be wonderful. Uh, every little bit helps. I'm also working on getting a new uh, EP of music out by the end of the summer, and I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, for now, though, this is Brian Scuttle at the Sonic Cinema podcast saying thank you very much. <laughs>